What up, my Hanyaks? Welcome back to the Rambling Viking Podcast on this wonderful, wild Wednesday. Hope your week has been good so far. If it hasn't, don't worry. There's still time to turn it around and finish strong. So, it's been it's been interesting for me. I uh, We're just going to jump right into it. We're not going to waste any time with any of the pre-show stuff, whatever have you. So, Weird Dream happened uh, Monday night, I believe. It's one of those you wake up and, I'm, and I sat there for like five minutes and was like, remember, 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 and like drilled it into my head. And I was like, write this down as soon as you can. So it's a two-parter, meaning it's like I was watching the same television network, i.e. my dream, but it was two different shows. So first show was I was at the gym and it was busy and there was lots of equipment a lot of the equipment was being used and, and that, and I'm an impatient man, as you know. And so that annoyed me. I was like, this, this is, this is annoying. It's frustrating. Nothing's open. So typically I just say, Oh, you know what? I'll just get creative. I can find another way to do this or I can be a little patient and go do another lift and then come back to this one. Although sometimes it does matter what order they go in. Well, anyways, we get on there. My buddy does it. And then I go to get on it. And like, it, it's an, I think the spe- specific one I remember is an incline bench. And I go on and the bench is not centered under the bar. And then I like, I like try and use it and, and I can't get it centered. Basically what's happening is for me and me only, all the equipment is slightly wrong. Like stuff is not lined up correctly. And then I get on and I can't lift it. And so I can't get coordinated and it's all lopsided. The weights are off. Everything is jacked up. It was very frustrating. Now, any dream interpreters out there, I'm open to what you might have to say because I have no idea no idea what that means except for I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, "Ah, I think that's just a weird thing." But uh the gym has been, as you know, a a, a place I enjoy and a place that I go to every day. So, then the second part of this stream, totally unrelated, jump to a mall and we're in a store and there's shoes. And then all of a sudden there's Tiger Woods. And then all of a sudden he's being extremely friendly and the store is not crowded with people yet. It's me and like one other person, maybe a couple other people come in, but he's being extremely nice and talkative, I'm asking him just general questions, you know, a little bit about like career and golf and whatnot. Or, and, and I... Full disclosure, I don't work at the store either. I just happen to be there and we happen to stri- strike up a conversation. Uh, I know, right? Just happened to strike up a conversation with Tiger Woods. Who would have guessed? <laughs> well, then it comes down to, I don't know, you know, he's had all his injuries and stuff. And so I think he's looking for better shoes. And he comes across Hoka's and he goes, what are these? These are, huh? What is this? And I said, you don't know about Hoka's? And I was like, Hoka's might be your game changer. And I proceed to describe hokas to him and then my hokas and then how I use lock laces, which if you don't know what those are, go Google, Google those, then go hit Amazon and get you some because they're legit. And yeah, I talked to him about hokas and that's kind of really the, that, and then, you know, after that, the dream memory fizzles out, but that was it. So, uh, wild frustration and weird equipment at the gym, followed by shoe talk with Tiger Woods and introducing him to Hoka's, which is interesting on a personal note because I've actually like 
kind of don't want my Hoka's anymore, but I spent all the money on them, so I'm going to keep them because I'm definitely want to go the barefoot shoe route and strengthen my feet. It's an interesting perspective to say, you know, we think we need softer soles or whatnot because we have pro- lower back problems and our feet hurt, but really it's our feet aren't strong and we don't actively strengthen our feet. And so we actually need to strategically strengthen our feet and, and then instead of putting more cushion, kind of like how, you know, if you wear ankle braces all the time, you you actually end up, it's like a self-perpetuating, oh, I have, I have weak ankles, so I wear braces, but then my ankles stay weak and even get even more weak and more susceptible to rolling because they're always braced up and supported externally instead of trying to, well, I'm going to brace them, but also build my support uh, by doing exercises to strengthen my ankles. See, and so that's kind of like a one-two thing. And someone who, yeah, does have a little bit fragile ankle. I feel like I have quite strong ankles considering I'm probably up to 15 or 20 sprains between both of them. So, yeah, food for thought, though. And, well, dreams for thought. <laughs> and they are wild. See, and that was one time I actually got was fortunate enough to remember them. Because I've told you I have wild dreams. And that is, that is a regular dream scenario for me. And so that's why I can sometimes wake up a little bit exhausted or just worn out because I'm not sitting here in, you know, everyone dreams, but most people just don't even realize or remember. I at least remember enough to remember, wow, that was some crazy dreams last night. And that's typically, which for me would be normal dreams, but it was just, that's just how it goes. So yeah, I'm a dreamer and it is a wild ride. You know, I'm riding lightning every single night. My body may be resting. But my mind is riding that lightning hard. So, all right, moving on. I have seen two payphones. That's right, two payphones. I, I did not check if they were functioning, but they definitely didn't look like it. In Houston, so far, within 10 minutes of me. Not in downtown either. Stopped at a gas station because uh, one of my tires was a little low on air. Dad air. Cost me two bucks for that. We can talk about that separately. What happened to free air? Is, is it really that expensive? To have a little air compressor in a box, like good two, but two bucks and, and it had a timer, which was nice because I feel like the ones that don't have a timer, you're like, it's like, go, go, go. It's like mission impossible. Dun, 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 dun. And I can't do the theme song, but yeah, you hear the mission impossible theme and, you're, and especially if you've got to do more than one tire and you're like, go, go. I don't, I don't know if this thing's going to run out, but this one, you know, it gave me like three and a half, four minutes or whatever. And I was like, man. This is wild, but yeah, I paid two bucks for that because I don't have a compressor on me. Um, well, and then I happened to look up and I was like, holy crap, is that a freaking payphone? And it was. And then separately, a few days later, I was getting uh, gas in a different vehicle and was like, oh my gosh. And someone had graffitied, there was like this board, this big, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was an old sign or something, roadside sign, but there was a big board above it. it had a bunch of graffiti and then right above the payphone though, it said call God. And I was like, I mean, that's really the only thing that that that's the only <laughs> line that would work on that payphone anymore is yeah, I'm just going to talk to God. But I was like two payphones, something that you thought was totally extinct and only in museums or on random street corners in the UK for the tourist 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 appeal payphones i found two of them i wonder if there's more have you seen a payphone in the wild recently or at all ever let me know how it was how it went have you ever used one i i can confidently say i have never used a payphone so 
And now I probably never will because they're extinct. They're like the dinosaurs. All right. If you haven't seen Bill Burr's newest special on Netflix, let me give you a content warning. There's no spoiler alerts here. I just have to say it's incredible. I love personally love Bill Burr because I identify with him so much because he's just loud and angry and he says exactly what he thinks and it happens to be funny and he doesn't care if it pisses people off and he understands it's probably going to piss a lot of people off, but he pisses everyone off. And so it's like, and that's my ultimate form of comedy, right? Like when people are like, oh, I don't want to be treated differently. And it's like, all right, well, then I'm going to make fun of you too. And I feel like that's an f- awkward conversation, a moment in, in today's day and age because they're supposed to be protected groups and protected jokes. And it's like, and people, and a lot of times people are preaching equality and it's like what people forget about when they, when they talk about, Oh, we want equality is they forget that they forget that the not fun side about equality is like, we want all the perks of equality, but actually none of the downsides. And when I say downsides, I mean, okay, you want me to treat you equal? I'm going to treat you just like every other butthole I see on the street that I don't care about random Joe blow or, Oh, I make fun of all ever, all these people. And you want, you want to be equal. Well then you, you need, I'm going to, you're going to get made fun of. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hard time. Cause that's, I mean, that's truly being equal. So, but anyways, he, he just, he goes in, he was at Red Rocks in Denver, which man, I got to go to a concert there or something. And I'm sad. I found out it was before I was in Denver because you best believe I would have paid whatever money to go and see him at Red Rocks at night overlooking Denver. Super cool. But yeah, and, and I can tell you personally, I probably disagree with a lot of them on politics, but at the end of the day, he acknowledges he doesn't he doesn't skirt around and try and avoid hard objections to certain um things that he holds. But man, he goes in on feminism, me too. He you might have heard his little abortion clip which I won't spoil here. Uh and I and it's just great. It's awesome. Now, uh fair warning, it is I mean, he he curses. He doesn't hold anything back. He's he's pretty lewd, but I think that's just part of who he is in the sense of he's an angry Bostonian ginger. So like that kind of comes with the territory. It's not like he's overly lewd in his jokes. He just has dirty mouth and it's, it's pretty great though. It, it, I, it had me going. It is awesome. It's on Netflix though. It's just Bill Burr live at the red rocks live at red rocks. Sorry. I don't think it's the red rocks, but it's great. Go check it out. Go watch it. If you have watched it, I want to know your thoughts. Did you like it? Are you a Bill Burr guy? How does that play into your judgment? I'm a Bill Burr guy. He's, he's up there for me. Now he's not a clean comic, which I appreciate clean comedy. Cause I feel like it's a little bit harder to do because it's very easy to write a joke where I just scream an F word. And that's kind of part of the punchline or something like that. And so sometimes it can be easier, but it's not like that's what he does necessarily. So anyways, I'm breaking it down way too much. It's great. Go watch it. All right. Question of the day comes comes from RJ says, would you ever let me double check my text messages actually, but I believe I just wrote it down from memory and I was like, I hope this is right. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah. Would you ever want to ride a bull? And I thought this was interesting. And I question how much RJ pays attention because I feel maybe I haven't brought it up on the podcast, 
but okay, resounding yes. That is one of my things that I want to do in life. I look back on life and I, I think, man, maybe I should have just been a bull rider, just like tried to be in the rodeo. And that is something I absolutely want to do. And I would all I, I've always said I would love to be a rodeo clown. I think that would be great. And yeah, running with the bulls in Pamplona, while that is so terrifying. There's definitely a desire for me to to possibly do that. And at the very least, though, I do want to ride a bull once in my life and make that happen. And I'm not against being a professional bull rider. I mean, it rips you to shreds, and but that's what I love about it. So it's, uh, if you've ever heard the song Rodeo by Garth Brooks, yeah, I, that song gets me going. Went to a lot of rodeos as a kid, thought it was awesome. Wanted, always wanted to be able to ride the sheep, never got to, but that's okay. And I mean, I just love a good rodeo. I haven't been in so long. I need to find a good rodeo. I want to go over to more rodeos, but it is awesome. So yeah, absolutely. I would ride a bull. Would you ride a bull? I'm, I'm all in on doing that folks. Let's make this happen. Go ride a bull under proper supervision, of course. And yeah, I'd be happy to wear the helmet and the chest plate and the protection and everything. I'm pretty good on the mechanical bull. That's one thing I, I, I found that figured out that I'm pretty good at. You know, so I, at the very least, I hop on the mechanical bull. And what's funny is the guys get on there and start real slow. And I'm like, hey, man, you can like go kind of hard. And they're like, no, let's start here. And so like I'll go for like 15, 20 seconds. And then that, that just wears my stamina and it's not hard at all. And then they realize, okay, I can crank it up. And it's kind of annoying. I'm like, I want you to go from the get out. I want to be as real as possible. Let's get eight seconds. See, you know, see, I want to see if I, I know it's mechanical, but I want to, I want to try and get that good eight seconds of hard mechanical bull. Because when I go for half a minute or a minute, but only the last 15, 10 seconds was really, really hard. It doesn't give me good perspective because I'm worn out by that point, but. Yeah, is what it is. Uh, you want to keep your knees high and you try, and it's all about maintaining your center of gravity. So when it looks like they're flailing back and forth. It's all about keeping that center of gravity high. The moment you let your feet fall below and behind you, you're going to topple. So you want to keep them up just like you're sitting in a chair with your legs at 90 degrees. You want to squeeze with your knees and you want to be up. You get that hand on, on the handle or under that rope and then you want to basically get get to where you're practically sitting on that rope. Get it up up in your groin crotch area as far as possible. And that's that that's my pro tips for if you want to go try that mechanical bull. And and uh yeah, keep that other hand up and free cuz that's the name of the game and let it ride. And see if that helps you out. So, you ever ridden a mechanical bull? I want to pose that question. Give me some good stories. I know we've all seen those viral clips of those people who are drunk or just have no business being on one and they just topple right over it's pretty great uh or there's that one no i'm not gonna mention that one anyways but yeah i would ride a bull i want to ride a bull actually so okay next up we've got so i've recently coined the term hot trot if you if you listen to any of the recent episodes and that could be anything i mean that could be even just like doing a long motorcycle ride on a hot day, like that's that's physically hard and challenging, but it's rewarding at the same time, right? But where where I'm basically like instead of because it's funny, I listen to this little daily five minute news thing for Oklahoma, and it, they've been in excessive heat warnings and and stuff, and he's like, avoid doing strenuous activity in the middle of the day, and I'm over here like doing my hot trots, or like that's when I I've actually started aiming to do my physical activity and strenuous activity. Now, within reason, I actually tone back the intensity of the activity because it's so hot and that heat plays a factor in keeping that intensity high. So the qualifying statement in all this being, being be smart and be safe, right? But 
I've been talking about hot trots and how the wonders of it and going doing something intentionally extremely hard in the middle of the day. I don't know. It just and, and you need to do it two to three times, but figure something out. And I talked about how someone, um, my sister had. Oh, I didn't talk about that. Maybe, 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 maybe on the last episode. But I convinced my sister to do one just across her apartment complex. She said she laid on her kitchen floor and put ice packs on her body. No, she didn't have like heat exhaustion or anything after just just to try and cool off. But she ended up doing it again and was like, I feel great. Um, and then she said after the second one, she felt even better and it wasn't as bad. And it sounds like she's going to keep this in her repertoire of not just working out to help relieve stress and doing things, but building these hot trots. So folks, try a hot trot and let me know. Um, I'm just saying, and, and look, I'm not the first person to say anything like this. I'm, I'm taking it from what I've learned and now my personal experience, but give it a try. And I think it's worth looking into and just start small. Don't have to be anything crazy. Even if it's, you know, what would be an interesting hot trot. And really it's more of a sauna. Take your car that's sitting in the driveway or sitting, been sitting outside in the parking lot and just go try and sit in it for five or 10 minutes without turning it on in the middle of the day, in the heat, in the sun, you know, and we all know it gets up to like 130 degrees. That's a poor man's sauna right there. And that could be your hot trot and do that. And just be like, holy cow, then turn it on, cool yourself off. And bada bing, bada boom, you have a hot trot, but you might find yourself, wow, 10 minutes. First of all, you find out how long 10 minutes in extreme heat is, uh, take it from someone who does a sauna every, every time I work out. But even if you just go five minutes, it's, it's something right. But anyways, I, I heard, I got some feedback from someone who, uh, on, on the hot trots, who was talking about it with friend or whatever. And, um, the friend offered objections. And had and told him and advised against doing the hot trot and was like, actually, you shouldn't do that. And let me find the exact phrasing that we got. Um, yeah, basically, they're like, no, you shouldn't do a hot trot. It's dangerous. And because you already have the stress, the everyday stress, you shouldn't be doing adding stress to yourself and doing anything stressful. So I wanted to address and obviously the person I was talking to, they kind of. They, they, they're in the know, they understand that type of thinking and they didn't, they didn't really buy in to it. And we talked about it briefly and, and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not worried about this objection. Um, because there's several, that is the classic line of thinking that logically that follows a logical path, right? Say I'm under serious stress. The last thing I need to do is go and add more stress to me. However, you need there's a qualifying statement and there's two different kinds. There's, there's, there's qualifiers here and there's, there's different kinds of stress, right? The stress of work, you know, projects, deadlines, whatever, stress at work, external stressors like that, or the stress of your car breaking down and having to go get it fixed, right? That is, when we say stress, that's what people think about. But there's a different kind of stress, a self-imposed intentional stress, usually physical, but doesn't have to be, that actually relieves those other external stresses. So these are self-imposed stress. So this would be, for, like, for most people, the most obvious is going to the gym, is working out, physical exercise. And this is backed by science. And I'm not going to provide any references here because you can, if you search it at all, you will get so many... All, I mean, there's basically all the literature that says like, look, we know that the physical stress of exercise de helps de-stress the stress of life. 
And so that's what we call, you know, the external stressors of, or the life stress. And so this is where people get confused. It's we think, well, you're under a lot of stress. So you need to relax, right? So we need to not do anything. But what we don't understand is that actually self-imposed intentional stress, usually physical, we'll say exercise, actually builds resilience and physiologically helps de-stress because you are literally physically working out this stress. I mean, you don't see, it'd be nice if you saw like, if as you worked it off, you had this like aura of like all the stress and it'd be cool if we all had a different color of stress relief. So picture this, right? I've been watching a lot of anime, so this is why my mind's in this place. But picture this, you're like doing bench press or something or you're on the treadmill and then you get into you know, that steady state, you get up around 120, you're sweating, you're hot, your heart beat, your heart's beating fast, you're, you're, you're burning some calories, you're, you're getting under some physical stress here, right? Now let's imagine that like, then you had an aura color. So for me, like, I think it'd be cool to be like teal or blue where, I don't know, it almost just looks like slight evaporation off your skin or whatever. And so it's, and, and that would be your stress because you don't see it but you feel and experience it. And that's the trick about it. But I can literally like, as I'm doing bench press, sometimes I can literally all just visualize it as it helps me in the workout. If I'm pushing up on bench press or doing a push up uh, or, or doing a squat, I visualize like my muscles that are working, say if it's bench press, like the, I'm pushing not just weight up, but stress out. It's going out the ends of my hand, going out my arm, out my hand. And now that's just a visual exercise that I think helps me realize more stress relief by doing these physical, um, physically strenuous things. So there's life stress, there's bad stress, and there's good stress. And so while the logic of you're under a lot of stress, why would you go do something so hard? On the surface, yeah, that makes sense. But if you think about it at all, but I would argue, and this is not to insult this person, because I think most people, that's the advice you would get from most people people, right? Is It's natural for us to avoid hard things. But I, I keep coming back to the comfort crisis. Go listen to that episode. Go read that stinking book. We understand that we live in a softer, nerfed, nerf world. And this is a very recent phenomenon. And so we are under the least amount of hard, strenuous stress we've ever had. And we're actually seeing adverse effects. And while our world is safer, more comfortable than ever, what do we see? Oh, this is going to play interesting with what I'm about to do. What do we see? We see more anxiety, more stress-related illness, more issues than, and we see those rates skyrocketing, more anxiety, more problems like that, more depression. And in the comfort crisis, the author found that by doing like, self-imposed like there's a good stress to be found it's good to put ourselves under stress i mean the gym the model of the gym is well it works off stress but also it keeps your body healthy and keeps you strong makes you and we all we all think it's good to be strong right you don't just look good that's not that's a bonus but it's more about you are strong your body is sturdy and then you can take the stresses of like, oh, I work a very physically demanding job. Well, I go and I work out and I stretch and I do all that to supplement. And then that makes me more bullet, you can call it bulletproofed at my job. So now I don't, um, what am I trying to say? So now I don't actually, that, that's actually an injury prevention thing. Because the stronger you are, then the less likely you are to get injured when you get put under that stress and duress. And the same is true for life stress. 
the more resilient you are, meaning I can go and do hard, I can go bike 10 miles in, in a hundred degree heat. I can go walk my entire apartment complex in the, in 105 degree heat on hot pavement and, and be okay. Then that, that puts it in your mind, at least subconsciously that you just handled that. Oh yeah. You can handle other stuff and it brings clarity. So while I can understand that objection, I think that's just a product of the culture that we created that is safety over everything. And if anything is quote unquote unsafe at all, you should avoid it. And we should only remain comfortable all the time. There is no, you know, stress is bad. No, no, stress is what makes plants grow. Stress is what reinforces trees. The stress of wind makes a tree grow stronger, build its trunk out, and then that tree can last and live longer. And so when we have the stress of life, that's why building it into you to say, oh, I'm stressed out today. I'm going to go do this hard workout. And instead of, oh, I've got all this stress, now I'm going to take it out, be angry and grumpy, and my wife, my family, my dogs, my friends are going to have to experience grumpy me, and that's how I de-stress. I just take it out on everyone else, and it sits on there. Oh, no, that actually causes physical health problems, and there's plenty of literature on that as well. So while those objections on their face seem logical, they quickly fall apart under scrutiny when you just expand out and start talking about it at all. That was pretty simple, just a couple minutes of explanation. So to that person, I say, go try a hot trot for yourself and tell me how you feel. We've got to get out of this nerfed mindset of it's the hottest part of the day. I shouldn't go do anything. Now, let me qualify all of this by saying, don't be stupid, right? This is all under the pretense that you are well hydrated, you are going to take care of yourself. And if you notice any sort of adverse signs where say you start going to do it, you're like, I feel lightheaded. You need to have contingencies in place. You need to have water. You need to be able to find shade. You need to have it set up. If you're not sure how you'll handle it, start very, very small. Start with a five or 10 minute walk or something like that and do it maybe in a park where there's optional shade trees or just go, just go be outside for 10 minutes in the hottest part of the day to start. And have contingencies in place. Know yourself. Listen to your body. Don't do anything too crazy. But you'll find that you're more resilient than you realize. And actually, when you're properly hydrated and properly equipped, middle of the day, it's no problem. It just means more sweat. And maybe a little bit better tan. So that's all it really is. So don't give in to those natural survival instinct related objections that we need to be in the safest part of the day. Buck the norm with a B and that's why I didn't bleep it and go do a hot trot, try it for yourself. And then if you still hold true to that same objection, and as I told my friend and my friend, you know, they had already done one. We're going to do some more. And they were like, Oh yeah, no, I, I know. I was like, this is, <laughs> I mean, just a classic. I, I told him, I was like, you need to invite them on your next hot trot and say, just try it with me. Guarantee you'll be better for it. Right. And explain that or, or just be like, Hey, actually, physical and you can put yourself there's there's different stress right there's the life stress the external stressors and then there's i don't know what to call it imposed stress self-imposed stress which are good stressors going on a hike for example is hard but it's good for you it's relaxing it's relieving it gets you focused away because the thing about a hot trot is you are focused on wow it's hot wow i'm sweating okay stay hydrated you have to focus solely on that activity and you can't think about anything else. And doing that, having that hyper-focus, I believe, clears the riffraff out of your mind. And then a lot of times, if you've got an issue that you haven't been able to work through, you can then see it 
clearer. It clears the fog out of your head. And that's well proven. So don't let the naysayers dissuade you from your hot trot. Of course, to my cause because because I got some MSers in my community. MS people, your hot trot does not have to be literally hot. <laughs> but it just has to be something difficult. Do a one-minute plank in a freezer. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Ice packs all over. Get cold. That's another thing you can do. Make yourself extremely cold. Cold shower, cold tub, or just get like five ice packs or a bag of ice and try and like lay it on your chest and and lay on the ground. I don't. I don't know. Like get creative, right? Get creative. I don't, that that's what it's all about. That drives your creative juices. So that's my response to that hot trot. Now, awkwardly enough, I'm gonna have to transition to something that is gonna sound that you could probably be like, well, you just. So now you're gonna. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, right? I'm about to break down at request. And also I think it was a good idea. So I'm not going to say I'm doing this because it was requested. There was an article yesterday about an ignorant European telling us, lecturing us that we need to, we are too obsessed with AC, which I don't fully disagree with part of the sentiment. We'll, we'll take this like it's prosperity gospel, right? You, you hear a lot of, you initially start to listen to a prosperity preacher and you're like, yeah, I agree. And then there's some things where you're like, actually, I agree on its face, but not actual, not once you're in the details of it. You, there's something missing here, right? Anyways, lectures us Americans how we're too in love with our AC and we just need to, you know, not, not have AC because they do it over in Europe all the time. And so why, you know, we, we just have this obsession because we're whiny little babies with AC. And so we need to take a note out. Just do fans, do natural cooling, open a window. Yeah, this guy clearly doesn't have perspective of some of the places in the U.S. Where, I mean, my brother lives in Idaho. And in the evenings when we went up there in the summer, you do that. It cools off enough. It gets hot in the day. And yeah, you can maybe use a little AC. I don't disagree. So... While you might be saying, what about a hot truck, Gus? And you might think you caught me in my gotcha moment. Be chair. Don't stop at the shallow interpretation of this and then having these two things back to back. But I do. I didn't do this intentionally. So uh, from the Daily Wire, and then I actually have the full opinion piece. I'm not going to read through the full opinion piece. But basically, this has been one of the hottest summers on record. We all know that, right? CNN, of course, ran a piece saying Americans should be more like Europe and forego using air conditioning. Britain was hard hit by heat wave reaching, uh, reaching 100 degrees for several days in a row. Uh, the problem is only about 5% of people in the UK have air conditioning because temperatures typically go from the high 50s to the high 80s in the hottest, high 80s in the hottest month. So just remember that, right? So this guy is a Berlin-based writer focused on renewable energy in Europe. Pin to piece headlined a very European answer to air conditioning. And he, he notes that he personally only has a fan in his Berlin apartment. And he talks, you know, he says that typically until recently, Europeans, you know, complained about Americans infatuation with AC. So wasteful in its high energy usage, unhealthy with the frost or with the frosty temperatures in midsummer and annoying given the incessant buzz of the window units. So he talks about it being another luxury item of an everything all the time population that sits on a constant temperature year round 72 or 73 degrees, which once again, I can say, you know what? I think, I think there is some merit to that. Right. And that's part of me talking about the hot trot. I say, go get hot, go get cold, expose yourself. We don't, we are too soft if we only live in this insulated 72 degrees all the time. Now, my ultimate 
reasoning and points that I'm trying to make with saying that may, some of my conclusions may be slightly different and some of my driving factors for how, how, where I'm coming from with this and how I'm saying it are different. I would say, I feel like I'm not saying this in a condescending way. When you read this article, this guy seems just the utmost condescending and uh, a little bit tone deaf. But So in the U.S., 90% of homes have uh, air conditioning. And so there's that 10%, and that's where you get up in New England, you get up in Montana, Idaho, Washington, those places, because um, that's how it is. But Europe apparently is moving in that direction, where they're getting more AC, especially with these heat waves. France and UK, AC purchases have skyrocketed. And... They estimate that two-thirds of the world's households could have air conditioner by 2050. Now, I would argue this is overall a good thing, but as humans go, a person can be smart, people are stupid, right? And so you have to be intentional and kind of hedge yourself against some of the comforts of life and make things artificially hard to keep you a little bit more resilient. And I'm not against, I'm someone who's sitting here in Houston. I let, I turn my thermostat up to like 77, 78 in the middle of the day, throughout the day. And the evenings are a little brutal. I stay back in the bedrooms because the main common area is just too, it's gotta be 80 to 80 degrees or a little bit more. And because I'm about saving money and also I understand the need. And also now guess what? 74 degrees, 75 degrees feels a lot cooler than it did when I was constantly at 73. So it, it, it changes perspective a little bit. And in the winters, I keep it cold because, well, I just like it cold and it's always easier to bundle up when you can only get naked and get so many fans on you and still be just annoyingly hot. Right. And so he talks about how AC is, you know, it's, it's energy intensive. We all know this refrigerators, air conditioners, all those things. And uh, they cooling tech, they chalk up as much as 10% of all global, global greenhouse gas emissions. So here we go. Here's where it ties in, right? Oh, okay. I'm starting to see where this is coming from, right? Because it's, it, it really is amazing to me how every little, every little thing in life can come back to we're destroying the planet and then sees emissions. Now, before you go and call me a climate change denier, let's just establish this. From the outset of the conversation, when, when most people want to start the conversation with climate change, and, and well, do you believe in climate change? First of all, I hate that question on its face and the premise. There, there needs to be a whole establishing terms conversation. And we need to acknowledge how this started as global warming 20 plus, 30 years ago, whatever. And then there was a subtle shift to just say climate change. Um, which is a, a broad, vague term. And anytime you're, you're foundational terms, and typically what people mean is they mean man-made climate change, or they mean that, do you believe in man-imposed climate change that is drastically um, negatively affecting our climate and detrimental to the planet? That's the question that they're really asking when they say, do you believe in climate change? Because to say, I don't believe in climate change on its face is idiotic. Because you're, you're literally, the term climate change just means the climate changes just on its face. And so, of course, you'll say yes, and you'll say, well, then why don't you support this, this, and that? It's a, it's a dumb semantic word game that's disingenuous that I don't like. I'm trying to have an honest, reasonable conversation. Because my debacle comes back to two things on this. And this quick sidetrack, then I'll get back to the article, is first and foremost, do not disagree. 
that man has an effect on the climate and that we we should be conscious of not just trashing everything and having trash. We are, I believe, because I believe as a Christian, we are called to be good stewards of God's creation. However, I do not hold that all man-made innovations and everything, because this sometimes is what the rhetoric seems to behest, is that all technologies, as we advance, we've only harm the planet more and more putting us in a mindset of seeing humans as only the classic villain who wants to eliminate the human race or the aliens who want to in whatever show or, or movie where they say you humans are just a parasite you just consume 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 you don't do anything good when in fact there are certain areas of this planet that due to good cultivation and things you've people have totally turned around ecosystems and yeah people have totally destroyed ecosystems but all in all i believe that yeah we have an impact the debate comes in, how much of the impact is, are we, and how much of the change can we take credit for being due to our impact? And then I also wanted to, so that's kind of the first part. And then the second part for me falls under basically saying, okay, so that's the point of debate for me is because people just want to talk about it like, well, we know that we're doing this and they get all apocalyptic. Like if we don't do something now, you know, there's a classic world's going to end in 12 years. I saw hilarious posts and in 1988, the UN said by 2000, whole nations would be underwater. And that, oh, they were wrong. So that's why typically apocalyptic type predictions, I don't get in on their face. And even if they do seem true, because the, the factor that, a lot of climate change activists seem to miss is that how adaptable humans are. They want this forced adaptation that will actually harm us in the short term, but be good for us in the long term. And, and when in actuality, we see naturally humans evolve to be cleaner and cleaner. And like, if you just look at natural gas and fracking and things like that, we get more efficient, more clean. How many times did we think we were going to run out of oil in the last 200 years? How many predictions were there, right? But yet, humans always seem to adapt and change. And so that's where the optimistic side of me comes in. It's like, yes, now I'm not saying, oh, we just sit back and let adaptation take its place. No, we definitely be good stewards. But I think sometimes we, we trick ourselves into thinking we're being so good. We're saving the planet. That's the other thing that gets me in the second part is we are killing the planet. And so we are saving the planet. Like the planet is some entity that is holy and pure in its natural state. And that we are only a plague or a virus or a parasite on it. And that... It is our duty to forego, um, you know, human innovation and inventions and technology and whatnot, and and just let nature go back to its natural state because it is perfect and beautiful and majestic. Which I don't disagree that it's not beautiful, it's not majestic, and that it's not perfect. But I don't know, kind of it it the whole, it sets us at odds with nature, saying there's nature and there's us, as opposed to saying we are a part of nature. We have a duty to nature. We are the stewards of nature, but we are also nature itself. And, and, and just looking at us as posing us as a virus or a plague on it, I, I fundamentally disagree with. We can do things that are harmful, but to sit here, it feels arrogant to sit here and be like, oh, we're just going to kill the, like, we could do detrimental things and send things into a whirlwind. Um, but I also believe the earth and quote unquote nature to be extremely resilient. And so that's a synopsis of my climate change, um, where I stand on that. Wow, didn't mean to go down that tangent. But anyways, we'll, we'll continue on. So cooling emissions could double by 2030 and triple by 2100, adding the report um, about that. So 
And then eventually he gets to his answer that wind, solar, and hydroelectric are the answers to our problems. And then he finishes with one final scold for everyone in the U.S. He says, Americans could learn a, two, a thing or two from the rest of the world when it comes to habits. Since the vicious cir circle is nowhere more damaging in those countries with the most units. China, U.S., and Japan. It is self-indulgent to insist on chilly temperatures in the middle of summer and rooms at t-shirt warmth in the winter. The donning of sweaters indoors when it's cold outside, not because AC is cranked up so highly, is surely, surely a habit one can adapt to. And then I'm going to go to his articles because there's something he said too about um, the cooling side of that. So renewable energy. So obviously this turns into renewable energy and it's like, hey man, your politics are showing. And on one note that I want to say where he touts this renewable energy, Europe is in the position where they're hamstrung and he ties in Vladimir Putin. Be, you know, if we could get to renewable, we could be hamstrung. We wouldn't be hamstrung by Vladimir Putin and under the stranglehold. And it's like, you know, what's funny is they try these renewable energy sources and then they, but then at the same time, it's so like, we're not going to do any more oil, but then they're always like, Hey, uh, can, Russia, can we, can you guys build this giant pipeline? Because it turns out we still need a lot of oil. And oil and natural gas are still by far the most energy efficient. Now, I'm a proponent of nuclear. I think that's really the primal way. And you might say, but the waste. But the problem is, like, the nuclear energy, I'm going to get this wrong. It's something like there's the, the amount of nuclear energy that I could, that I need, maybe for my life, but maybe for just a year, maybe for 10 years. It's for an extreme amount of time, for like one household for 20 years, we'll say. This probably isn't the exact thing. Fits into something like a Coke can, the, 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 the waste. So when you look at, oh, that's how much, that's the, that's the waste cost. And you might say, what about meltdowns? Which I say, go actually look into it and how all these meltdowns have been a shortcoming of not updating, not properly put in, put in certain, um, basically nuclear being done haphazardly. So, but, Anyways, uh, I'm going to find this, right? Oh, passive cooling strategies. Long the norm in the Mediterranean and other places accustomed to scorching, accustomed to scorching heat. Uh, natural ventilation, shading, open windows at night, and lowering blinds in mid-morning. According to one study, passive cooling could reduce air conditioning energy demand by 70%. See, the fundamental problem with that is I get it even like, maybe like Spain and southern Italy and Greece, it can get really, really hot. But... Oh boy, up in Berlin, you guys are on like Canada, Northern U.S. and Canada's plane. Come to Phoenix, come to Oklahoma in the summer and tell me, hey, bro, passive cooling. The problem is at midnight, it'll still be 95 degrees outside and scolding hot. You open your windows and it does nothing. The wind is, the air, the air in the wind is so hot, it burns your skin at times, okay? And so while, while I do, don't disagree that we could learn to not have to be at 73 degrees all the time and let it get hot in the summer. Save, sa saves your energy bill, but also sa saves the planet. Uh, I, and, and, and I think we'll make you a little bit better adaptable and more resilient. So I'm, I'm for that. The, the ignorance of s some British dude who lives in Germany to be like, it gets scorching. You guys touch a hundred and freak out. We live above 100 for like two months. Live there. Especially if you go to places like Phoenix. Oh my gosh. And like Vegas and places like that. 
that's where the ignorance comes into play for me is we're like natural cool passive cool bro go to these places understand the vast difference the tone deafness here is wild but also just the general condescension and to, to sit here and be like wow it's yeah he's like americans could learn a thing or two from the rust world when it comes to habit what do you not understand there are different climates in different places? You might say, well, look at Africa. You know, most of them don't have air conditioning. They do just fine. I don't disagree with you. But I'm also not just anti-air conditioning like this homeboy is because it's killing the planet. No. I, I don't disagree with initial parts of the statement. But I do not. <laughs> it's just, I, I love it. It starts out as like, you know... It, energy energy usage and ac and, and it's driving things up and and we're weaker for and really it's a it's it's a it's a climate activist agenda that's here's another angle they come on the, the still the funniest one to me by far is the cow farts one and the methane and not understanding that that methane is actually naturally part of the process and actually doesn't harm the environment when you really look into it go look up joel salatin and regenerative farming to really get more information on that and they talk about that and it actually it's the synthetic methane that we produce from vehicles and different things that that's the harmful stuff that we shouldn't demonize because cows were here before us and they were producing the same methane it was part of the natural cycle but now there's more methane not due to more cows due to us from different things that put methane into the environment so uh yeah and so i'll link to both articles you can go read the full cnn article or you can just read the short snippet breakdown from on the daily wire that is just here we go right right in the middle oh and this is a historic heat wave oh so that's the other thing because i would postulate that people in places like we'll say the the west and the, and the south and central united states not so much in the northern united states their climate is more akin to that of say europe i'm just not anti-modern technology that's what it feels like in a lot of these like we are too modern yes and no you need to mitigate it, but just to sit here and be like, well, it's killing the planet is like, okay, come on, really? Let's calm down here. <laughs> we were, everything used to run on coal. Remember the industrial revolution? Yeah. And, oh yeah, we reduced emissions in 2019. The U.S. was a leading reduction of emissions, but also there's a hard truth that for developing countries, all they can do is coal and that will is what will propel them into a state of where they can use cleaner forms of energy. Sometimes industrialization or development is built on the backs of dirty energy to get them to clean energy because they don't have the type of infrastructure or things. They're not set up to be able to, oh, we can just go straight to solar. And the thing is that people forget about solar. There's a, there's a solar field outside of my hometown. An entire field full of metal, steel, and what is it? Whatever it takes for to make solar panels, what, do you have to mine all of that? What are all the carbon emissions in that process, and how does that play in? And solar panels, yeah, they're getting cheaper, more expensive. But renewable energy is heavily subsidized, and to 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 make them competitive. And so, well, I may not be one hundred percent correct. I hope you understand my position on this and the hilarity of some snobby CNN opinion piece dude who lives in Berlin, you Americans, you should just use passive cool. You're so infatuated with you. What I, yeah, go to, I was in Spain six years ago and you know, the amount of people I saw smoking. Oh, cause Europeans, we smoke and we don't wear deodorant. We're so, you know, we're so cool. It's like, 
sometimes Europeans feel like they're just the ultimate, they're the world stage hipsters where they're doing backwards stuff. It's like when Polaroids came back and we're like, we moved on from Polaroids because their digital cameras were a better technology. And Polaroids are actually really expensive and have their problems. I get the vintage novelty of it. But you know why people have Polaroids? Why everyone? Because, oh yeah, this wonderful thing called the iPhone. And these phone cameras that are high quality and digital cameras and I can instantly share stuff. And I don't have to have the film developed and I don't have to go and purchase film. And I, you know, so sometimes I'm like, look, we, there's a balance to be had. I think we've over modernized and we're always at risk of overindulging on whatever goods and services. I mean, that's where I identify with the movie Wally so hard is because in a lot of ways you could see how maybe not to that extent, call that a caricature or a satirization of our modern society. But I think in many ways we are Wally. We're attached to our screens all day. We're fat. We're, and we're underdeveloped and we, we don't interact with each other. And we've lost that part of our humanity. And so we do need to push back against it. And so it's like, that's where I come and I'm like, I, I almost come alongside this guy. And then he says something whack and I'm like, yeah, nope. You know, he's like, hey, like, I believe in equality for everybody. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I believe in equality too. And that's why we should eliminate the white devils. And I'm like, okay, we're, that's enough, right? Or come on, hey, I believe in equality. Yeah, me too. I put my arm around him. And he's like, yeah, that's why we should normalize um, child love and, and, and destigmatize pedophilia. These are minor attracted persons. And I'm just like, okay, nope, nope, nope. I, I'm for equality, but that's objectively evil and wrong. And we need to protect children. You know, that's kind of what the situation was. Uh, where it's like, but what else is new, right? America, in a lot of ways, I think, <clears throat> gets a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. I mean, overindulgence is kind of the name of the game and surplus and productivity and capitalist free markets. But at the same time, when you look at our poverty, our, our, our poor people are richer than most of the world and are considered the top 1% of the world when you look on the global stage. So on one hand, it, we sit here we're like, we need to take care of our poor people. And it's like, we bring that global perspective in and say, our poor people are actually way better. It's better to be poor in America than say, you know, average in some third world, you know, country that doesn't even have like running water or anything in some ways. Now, in some ways, yes, in some ways not. And so there's a nuance to this conversation overall, but this is clearly just an annoying hit piece of someone who likes the sound of their voice, the own sound of the, or, the, or the view of their words. Um, a little too much and uh, needs to come spend a Phoenix or a summer in Phoenix or shoot a summer in Oklahoma. Give me a good June, July, August um, in a house without air conditioning. And uh, tell me how, tell me how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have the luxury of, Oh, it gets down to 75 at night and, and scorching temperatures for us aren't, Oh my gosh, it's 95. It's going to, it might get to a hundred degrees today. No scorching temperatures for us are 110. So that's a big difference. To me, I would say when, you, when it's that hot, you need a little air conditioning, right? You can let it get up to 80, and so, but, but goodness, yeah. I would, ar I would argue in some respects too, especially that helps maybe the poor a little bit more because they're not subject to, makes you less susceptible to heat exhaustion and things like that. But once again, I said this might be a little bit awkward backing up to my hot trot conversation about uh, get out of your comforts. And go get uncomfortable. But notice I said it do in a very controlled, intentional manner versus this one saying, hey, quit killing the planet and being stupid, dumb, selfish, oh, fat um, Americans who always need everything at 73 degrees. Well, I agree with that on its face. 
um, once you get into the details of the argument, I'm like, come on, dude, really get, get, get the freak out of here. So yeah, that was, um, that guy, Paul Hawkinos. Yeah. Hawkinos, a big loogie all over his face. Um, cause that is just ridiculous. Wow. But this has been a longer episode. We had a jam packed. So much stuff came up. So but that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for being a part of the Hanya Accord. I want to know your thoughts on everything. Um, go check out that article. Give me your thoughts on that. Um, gotta love just, you know, being American because I'm always getting called stupid for whatever reason. Cause these refined chain smoking, uh, non-deodorant wearing Europeans are, you know, onto something there. They're so refined. Oh, my little $2 Amazon fan. Um, that actually there's produced 10 million of these and see in China and the CO2 emissions from that vastly outweigh the CO2 emissions. It would weigh that it would be for me to maybe get an AC unit, run that every once in a while. Hmm. Something to think about. Right. But, uh, when's the last time you saw a payphone? Have you ever used a payphone? Let me know about your hot trots dreams. If you've seen Bill Burr's special, go, go check it out. Anything and everything. Today was a jam packed episode, a ton of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope your week from here on out. Maybe this can help you kickstart your week into a better week and you can finish strong. We'll be right back here Friday with an exciting Brothers Debate episode. The second one, Get Pumped. We're actually recording that later today. Should be a good one. We've got a little bit more format. We added a little wrinkle. We don't know which side we're debating until we get into the debate. So that's fun. But be on the lookout for that. Make sure to go follow us on social media to stay up to date. DM me, leave a voice memo, or if you want to support the show, find links for that below. As always, you can go to the website to find any and all other information, links, how to get a hold of me, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for being a part of the Hanya Accord. If you're new here, welcome to the Hanya Accord. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you make yourself at home. Do something hard. Have a laugh. And let's build some positive culture together and reach Viking levels resilience. And I feel like I'm co-opting something, but I don't know. I want that to be a part, right? I want this to be a positive outlet where people can come and um, get something better, but not avoid maybe the hard truth and talk about hard things. So that's what we're looking to do here on the Rambling Viking. And if you want to join in and partner, be a part of the community, chime in, give me your two cents, uh, be on the lookout. I'm trying to do better about putting polls and things up on my Instagram story. And and doing things that way is to get you, the listeners, feedback. So thank you so much. That'll do it for us. We'll see you right here next time on the Rambling Viking Podcast. This is your head, Hanyak, signing off.